Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. I'm Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Together, we're the founders of Good Egg Investments and creators of the Real Estate Accelerator. We help real estate investors and syndicators build their brands, find the right investors for their deals, and scale their businesses so they can do more and bigger deals. We believe that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight, a podcast by Good Egg Investments, where we're meeting so many amazing individuals, where we talk about all things real estate syndication, whether you're just starting out or whether you are a seasoned professional looking to expand your, your portfolio. And what an honor that we get to have Jazz Tacker, another fellow podcast host, a extreme salesperson. And Jazz, thank you so much for joining our, our podcast. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm very excited uh, to be on your podcast, Rai. Thank you so much for having me, my man. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, Jess. Is real estate something that's always been a passion of yours or did you find your way into this? Look, I think um, for me, my real true passion lies in the sales and service industry. Um, as a, as a six, seven-year-old, I was the kid who put up my hand when the teachers asked for, for help with a bake sale, a book sale, or or selling Christmas ornaments. So this time of year, well, it's also my birthday coming up, but it's always nostalgic, right? Like I always remember knocking on people's doors and and, and selling Christmas ornaments. And then at the age of 12, it really, like that passion came, it became real for me. Why? Because I actually got paid for it. I started selling newspapers, right? And so I started knocking on doors again, figuring out how to build rapport really quickly. As a 12-year-old, I realized, oh, this is neat. Like I go out and work, I get paid, and I can do whatever I want with my money. So thanks, like a huge shout out to my parents because they allowed me to learn myself, like getting that money. I spent probably my first six months of paychecks, I spent on the silliest things, arcades, candy, burgers, and fries fries and gravy a lot, you can tell. Um, and 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 then later on, I started to realize, oh, okay, like if I save some of this money, I can buy bigger things. I can have cooler kicks. I can have cooler clothes and I could, do, I could go to the movies, right? And so th- at a young age, at 12, that's when it kind of stuck, like that, that really stuck with me. Then I got into shoe sales. I got into the banking industry at around 17, at 18, and I started to speak with people that were buying and selling homes and investing into homes. My parents always did kind of the basic buying a home and renting out the basement here in the greater Toronto area. I mean, it's a East Indian special. What we do first is we find a home that we can rent out the basement apartment. Why? Because it just helps with your carrying costs. It helps with groceries, property tax, whatever it is, right? 
started selling cars for about three years from about 20 to 23. And, and at the last, like I started to get this feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm about to hit the cap in car sales now, like the ceiling. I want to do something different at the same time. Funny how life works at the same time in a 30 day period in a month, I sold four cars to real estate agents started to realize like, wow, like, these guys make really good money. And two out of the four, I think English was like their fourth or fifth language. I was like, okay, if they can do this, like amazing guys, I still speak to uh, all four of them till this day. Um, I think I have a shot at this. I think I can do this, right? Like I, I have the, the, the know-how, the passion about sales and service. I don't really know much about the construction of real estate, like homes and, 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 and buildings and stuff. But I think I'm going to be good at this. And and that's when I started to get my license. Always wanted to invest in real estate. But first and foremost, I focused on building out my business. I'm proud to say now, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about it, myself and my current business partner, uh, we have 39 real estate agents on our team, um, 11 support staff. We help a little over um, 700 buyers, sellers, and investors every single year um and we're just blessed man we are uh we're, we're you know my partner and i say it all the time blessings upon blessings absolutely i feel like we're we're distant cousins some way we you know we talked before the show that we've got uh family within about five ten minutes of each other and uh, you know obviously being here in the northeast very close to to toronto and i think sales i i, I tell everyone like i don't know when i became a salesperson or when i knew that i was probably going to go down that path And not to cut you off, I think I can tell you when you became a salesperson, the day you asked mommy for milk. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Like how you got it is a different story, but it started back then, you know, now for some people, it went away. You know what I mean? Think about what you did to get that milk. Like cry, you threw tantrums, you did whatever you had to do. In fact, in my opinion, the best salespeople are kids. Because yeah. no is like not even in their vocabulary, like like objection handling, like they don't deal with any of that stuff. They figure out what they want and they're going to do whatever it takes to get it. Now, something happens, though. Eight, nine, 10, 11. I can't pinpoint it exactly when it is, but either we hear too many no's or someone comes around and says. You got to stop asking for things. You, you, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Um, uh, uh, um, we start to feel insecure ourselves, right? And so I think that's when it stops. Now, some people continue to pick up on it and pick and continue with it. Me personally, for example, I just, I knew, like, I, I knew seven, eight years old, I loved it. I love the process of working a, you know, working a, a, a book sale. I just love the interaction with people, right? And again, for me, till this day, I probably hear, I'm going to say about 50% more no's than I do yeses. I hear a lot more no's than I do yeses. It's those yeses, though, that, that have changed the course of my life. I love that because I, I get like my parents, like it sounds like yours. They, there's so much support, so much love. I remember being sent home from school because I was selling my Halloween candy in <laughs> packages, you know, Ziplocs, you know, stuffing yeah, like you know, four or five pieces. Cause all other than the, the peanut butter, 
uh, candies. I don't, I didn't like anything else. So yeah. I'd stuff them in these bags and it's like, oh, if I can extend Halloween for my classmates, maybe I can access some of the capital sitting in their pockets. <laughs> and the, the principal called my parents, my parents came and got me and we went home and they asked me to explain myself. And I did. And my mom took me to the grocery store to buy more lollipops. And, you know, like that, to me, it was that encouragement of like, you know, there's a time and a place and you need to learn, you know, sales in the right way to execute, but you sold how much candy in one recess? Like that's, my parents were very good at not breaking, you know, spirits, you know, just helping provide those boundaries. A hundred percent. Look, my, my, my father was a a taxi driver his whole life. My mother, uh, a factory worker her whole life. Um, grade four education for my mom, I think a grade eight education for my dad um, back home in India. Came to Canada in 1974. Um, I have two older brothers. One of my brothers uh, uh, has a degree. Um, he's a kinesiologist. That's what he majored in, in kinesiology. Um, not really doing that right now. The middle brother didn't do anything past high school. Myself, same situation. Diplo- got my high school diploma, never really pursued any more formal education. My parents never beat me up for it. I think they started to realize too, right? Like they got a lot of calls from the principal. They got a lot of calls from, from, from the teachers, but you know, times, and and, and I don't even think I've ever really spoken about this, but there was at least a handful of times that my father would come to the school and the secretaries that were working in the principal's office would be like, we love your child. Like yeah. he's just an amazing, and that started to reinforce yeah. my ability to make people happy. You know, while I was waiting for the principal, I'm connecting with the secretaries, making <laughs> a blast. I'm having a blast. They're telling me like, "Don't worry, Jazz. Like you're gonna figure this thing out." You know, like you'll be a CEO or you'll be in prison. Is is what yeah, you know, my yeah. headmaster yeah. told me, and yeah. I took that as a compliment. Of there's yeah. something in my strategy that sure. you know, obvious. Okay, you know, and I. But I also took it to heart because it's like, well, no, I love that people love me. I don't want to be a troublemaker. So how do I kind of get out some of this energy while sharing love with with everybody? And you're right. It's juvenile, right? Like, it's just, it's that childlike energy of this is for fun. Sure, for sure, right? And 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 like sales in general is is really a matter of connecting with people, influencing um, uh, uh, helping, like what I like to really talk a lot about, there's a sign behind my wall right here that says removing friction. Um, and it's, uh, it's a reminder for myself and my team, like sales and service. I've been doing this for 25 years, but it, I still need to be reminded of it. It's, it really comes down to making it easy for people to buy, right? Like I get the question a lot, like, how do you sell so much? Or like, what makes you a good salesperson? And as I've been thinking about it and putting a lot of effort and time into saying, okay, how am I, how am I going to teach this to people? It's what I do. I think what I do really well is I make the process easy. Mm. I just don't push people. Like yeah. I ask what they want to accomplish. I, I, there's a lot of calls and meetings that I go into and within the first three, four minutes, I already know. And then in the 15, like the first 15 minutes, I stop the meeting and say, I can't help you. Like, sure. not like, like what you're looking for. It's just not something that I can help you with because what am I going to try to do? Like, you know, we're talking about objection handling. Like people are not 
hockey pucks. You can't handle them like with a hockey stick, right? Like just how about find out what somebody wants, give them the information, all the information, don't hide the insider trade secrets and let them make a quality informed decision themselves. What I have found specifically in the last 15 years that I've been in real estate, wow, like I got, I got people who bought cars from me 18 years ago. I got people who worked with me in shoes when I was in shoe sales that still buy real estate for me. Mm. On a, and my team who has, has heard me speak about this at nausea for so long, they're still amazed. Like they're still amazed that like, wow, you worked with this guy 24 years ago or whatever it is, 23 years ago in shoe sales and he or she is still buying real estate. Yeah, I just stayed in touch. I just stayed yeah. in touch. I asked for the business. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. This preconceived notion that you got to be a sleazy salesperson or that if you're a salesperson, you are sleazy. Like, I just think we got to, I'm trying to anyways, change that mindset. I think that, I think that's changed over the last 20 years, you know, and I remember those used car salesmen, right? When you showed up to a lot and you're just, uh, you know, I'm just, just peeking, just looking, but you look at the best used car salespeople today. And it's like what you're saying. If I can't help you, I'm going to be honest because yeah. I will I will help you find your goal, achieve your goal, because then maybe your goal will align with what I'm offering tomorrow or next year or the year after that. And so or or, or, or just as important, right? I might be talking to Mary Jane and we'll never do business in 37 right. years, 62 years, but Mary Jane on average, on right. average. She knows 200 people. Right. And so how do we know she's not going to connect me with one of those 200 people? In fact, I very rarely, when I'm speaking with somebody, I'm not even thinking about the business that they might do with me. In fact, I take it as a bonus if they do business. It's kind of the icing on the cake. Sure. I'm looking for, I'm looking for them to make introductions to their friends, families, neighbors, colleagues. And you can only do that if... Mary Jane leaves that conversation in a pause. Like she leaves more positive than when she came. That's my opinion. So if you only focus on, if the mindset is, is, is I'm going to go into this interaction with somebody. I'm going to go into this interaction with somebody only based on if they're going to make more introductions for me. It's a totally different game now because now you're not trying to, close them on the spot. You're not trying to sell to them. You're just trying to open up a relationship. I've been lucky enough to do that for the last 25 years, and it's definitely paying dividends now. I had someone ask me the other day, how do you sell authentically? How do you sell in this concept of, I think you get it. I think our team at Good Egg Investments gets it, that there is this genuine desire to help. And the problem that I see often with salespeople or anybody in investor relations that they they try to bring authentic they try to manufacture authenticity. Do you have any tips on how to be authentic versus coming off clearly manufacturing your authenticity? Yeah, I, I look, I don't think you can be authentic. Like 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 there's no tips around it. You just got to be yourself. Like, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, I get that question too. Like, 
okay, Jazz, I want to start doing content. I want to do videos and I want to do um, uh, podcasts and whatever it is. How do I be authentic? Be yourself. Like it's that simple. Just be yourself. I know what the concern is from that person who's asking. Who's like, well, if I'm if myself, if I if I'm just being myself, someone might not like me. That's the best thing that's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because you'll attract the right type of clients, the right people that you want to do business with. The only way to do that is if you say no or you repel the wrong people. Mm. And so what content creation for me has done is it's now allowed people to, to, to get a taste of jazz and the good looking Indian guy. And then they can decide if they want to further the relationship. Because some might look at me and say, wait, he's a real estate investment broker, but he wears a sweater or a T-shirt or sometimes a hoodie or a jacket. He's not in a three-piece suit or a Gucci suit. Nope, it's not me. Not that there's anything wrong with anybody. I, I think like there's a lot of gentlemen in my office that look like they tens. They look like a 10 sure. in a suit crisp and amazing. They're comfortable in that setting. I'm just not anymore, right? Like for the last three, four years, probably last seven, eight years, you can start to see the transition of me not me getting out of the suit and tie. Then I went to a blazer and jeans. Then I just went to jeans and a sweater and then like a, like a sweater with a dress shirt underneath. And now for the last two years, you've only been seeing me in sweater hoodies, regular sweaters like this and t-shirts, right? You scale up the business and you scale into yourself is what what I tell people, you scale into your comfort level because that's when you're at peak performance. Yes, because now the people that are coming to me that are calling me, DMing me, texting me, emailing me, you know, obviously pre-COVID coming into the office, they already got a taste of me. That doesn't mean that I'm going to get the business. That definitely doesn't mean that I take it for granted. That's the, the, I mean, it's the exact opposite of that. I still know how much I need to win the business, but the ice is broken. You know, I was talking about knocking on doors for papers. I remember, like, when I kind of figured out that that job of, of, of getting more subscriptions for newspapers, I figured out that I needed to build rapport really quickly. Because who wants someone knocking on their door on Saturday at 9.30 in the morning or on a Wednesday night at 7.30? Like, we don't enjoy that. Yeah, it was a you know, cute little kid. I'm sure I got some doors opened up uh, just because of that. But the ones that actually subscribe, majority of them, it was really based on some type of rapport I built really quickly. And so it broke the ice, i.e. talking about the person's car or talking about their flowers or talking about the fact that their lawn maintenance, I noticed is better than everyone else's. I broke the ice somehow. And in real estate, I didn't figure it out um, at a mass scale, probably um, probably that happened, I would say, about two and a half years ago at mass. What I mean by that is, is that now, because of the podcast, because of the videos, because of all the content, people walk in here and, they, again, they got the taste of me already. The ice is broken. They're not looking at me surprised. They're coming in. They, they understand that I have the knowledge in what I'm doing, either, either helping people invest into real estate, buy, sell, or invest in real estate, or what I get a lot of now is helping salespeople, consultants, business owners um, with advice uh, 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 to grow out their business and their sales careers. But now they got that taste. They got that first yeah. sip of jazz. 
That's amazing. And Jazz, but before we we wrap our time together, I'm I'm interested. Do you have any tips for those listening that maybe maybe this is their first thought of real estate investing. You know, how we've all been there. We've made decisions. We've seen some pitfalls. You know, what are some things that you present to investors to help them see if this is the world for them? Yeah. So first and foremost, get educated, get educated. Um, you know, at the time of this recording right now, 2020, there is an abundance of way to get uh, education. You could read books, you can listen to audiobooks. So if someone says, I don't have the time to read books, no excuses anymore. Because if you're driving, taking your dog for a walk or on a treadmill, you can now use what I call net, N-E-T, no extra time. You can listen to an audiobook or a podcast. There's a million of them. Okay. Um, uh, you can, you can even, even during a lockdown, you can still be part of networking groups, okay? Virtual networking groups, uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID. Um, I think it's one of the best ways um, to, to get educated about investing in real estate. For one reason, from a networking perspective, I have yet to come across a group of people, real estate investors, that share their tips and their failures, like their, 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 their successes and their failures as much as real estate investors. They're open books. Everyone likes to talk about, oh my God, I invested in a syndication. I invested in in an in income property and I made $100,000. Or, oh my God, don't touch that type of investment strategy because I lost $100,000. And they, they'll, they're so open with their information. So that's where it starts for me. Get educated on all different types of investments strategies within real estate. So there's the macro investment strategies, which is real estate, stocks, bonds, you can invest in businesses and franchises. But when we're talking about real estate investing, then real estate investing has its own buckets. You can invest in syndications, you can invest in land development, you can invest in uh, uh, new built condos, resale condos, income properties, duplexes, triplexes, multiplexes, commercial. Now, I want you to get educated, if you're watching or listening as an investor or want to be investor, get educated on all of them and pick one strategy. This is, this next tip truly is what I've noticed in the last 15 years is the difference maker between an investor who now is making residual income in, in the hundreds of thousands compared to somebody who's not. They picked one strategy at the start. They didn't fall into paralysis by analysis. Like, I like all these. Yeah. Okay. It's like when you go into a, bu- it's like when you go to a buffet, it's, there's a lot there to choose from. You can, you can taste a little, which in real, in, with what I'm talking, the analogy with, with the analogy that I'm giving you is getting educated, but then I want you to put something on your plate and just eat that meaning yeah. take action on that one opportunity. So if you choose, multiplexes, when a new build opportunity comes to you, don't touch it. Mm. If you choose new build condos as your investment strategy and a multiplex comes your way, don't touch it. Just do, just take action. Cause here's one of the coolest things with investing in real estate. It is the most forgiving investment known to, to man, in my opinion. Why? Because You've noticed, and I love your logo that I see, it's that house with an arrow upwards. The trajectory of real estate values has only done one thing in 100 years. It's gone up. It goes up, 
It comes down a little, goes back up. It goes up and down upwards. That's just what happens with investing in real estate. So it's very forgiving as long as, tip number three, that you have the mindset that it's long-term. So if you're getting into investing into real estate because you saw a show on HGTV and a lot of them are my friends, and you think that you can redo a home in 22 minutes, I got something coming to you. Like, like, like that's not how it works. Not only don't it takes months, but these guys are experts. These girls are experts at what they do. They have a crew around them that will blow your mind. You don't see them behind the scenes. So it's not something that's easy to do to buy a house, redo it, like tear it down and rebuild it or, or do renovations, even add an income suite. It's not easy. Okay, so these guys and girls are experts at what they do. I want you to understand that you have to think real you have to think of real estate as a long-term wealth creation vehicle, not a get rich quick investment. There's just not a lot of them out there in terms of investing in real estate, but if you if you have that mindset that it's long-term, you'll always win as long as you hold on to your real estate. That's incredible advice. Thank you so much for, for sharing those tips with us, Jess. And for the audience tuning in at home right now, what is the best way for them to continue to follow you and connect with you? I appreciate that, Ryan. I think uh, the easiest way to connect with me is to go to my website, um, jazztakar.ca. Uh, J-A-S-T-A-K-H-A-R.ca. I am Canadian, so it's a .ca. Um, uh, uh, or um, just kind of go through my new podcast uh, page, which is the uh, uh, Jazz Tacar podcast. Very simple, nice and easy on all platforms. Just search Jazz Tacar uh, podcast, YouTube. I think I'm at about 132, 133 episodes, but on YouTube, I'm a little above uh, uh, 340 videos, I think, right now. Um, I think there's a lot of great content. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. And so I would love for somebody to dive in and give us the feedback. Well, we think it's great content as well, Jazz, and we're Thank super you. excited that, that you were able to join us. And for all of you tuning in at home right now to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight, we are so grateful. And we thank you for your time, your attention, and your interest. And we cannot wait to connect with you more soon. So thank you again for tuning in, and we will see you on another episode of Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com and please also join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you. And if you got something out of this episode, we'd love it if you could subscribe to this show and give us a rating and review. We promise to read your feedback and take action to continue to make this show even better and more valuable for the real estate syndication community. My name is Annie Dickerson. And I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the real estate syndication spotlight community.